1: Well, good morning, gang, or afternoon, or evening, whenever you might be listening to the program. Of course, you can find us here every Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning, and of course, a repeat of the program at 8 o'clock. But then again, you may be listening on the go on your smart device or at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can find every episode of the show we've ever had. So whatever time of day you're joining us, I hope that you're doing well. And I'm so glad that you've decided to join us to talk about your garden and your landscape and all kinds of goodies that the earth can provide for us. Of course, gardening is an important thing for us humans. Um, whether you're growing vegetables, and fruits, we need to eat. Or maybe you're growing things like uh, ornamental plants, things that are beautiful, and those help to feed our soul. But being out in the landscape we've talked about on many occasions is good for your mental health too. So let's talk about all things green and all things growing. If you missed last week's program, of course, that was the end of the month. That was our Q&A week where we answered your questions. Uh, You can find that episode, that show online at NewSouthernGarden.com. We talked about planting bulbs. Uh, We talked about making cuttings from plants during winter, over winter months. We call those hardwood cuttings because by the end of the growing season, the wood on your trees or your shrubs, uh, it's, it's a hardwood. And they too can produce roots. If you make cuttings from them, it takes them a little longer, but we gave you tips on how to do that, and we talked about, should we be pruning? Why do the landscapers prune over winter? Should they be doing that? Well, for all those questions to be answered and more, check out last week's show at NewSouthernGarden.com or your favorite podcasting app. But this week, uh, well, let's see. Let me tell you a little bit about what I've been doing this week. In my garden and landscape, I've been planting bulbs We talked about it last week. I was doing some of that last week. Continue to do so. We can continue to plant bulbs through the winter, really, as long as you can find them. Things like tulips, daffodils, alliums. All of the spring-blooming bulbs is wonderful and really critical to plant over winter because they need a certain amount of cold. Now, sometimes you can source bulbs that have been pre-chilled if you're late to the party, say, in the spring. You really want some tulips or you really want some daffodils. You can find pre-chilled bulbs that should be uh, growing and blooming for you, um, even as late as uh, early spring. But take the opportunity to plant those bulbs. I do love the alliums. You know, I think it was last year we had an entire show all about alliums. And um, so I've been planting alliums. And while I'm planting in my beds, I have noticed that there are some little green plants popping up all over the place. I didn't put them there. I did not put them there. These green plants are commonly known as weeds. So you may have noticed a lot of weeds popping up in your flower beds, in your planting beds, in your shrub borders, uh, underneath your trees, wherever they're going to grow. And the reason you're starting to see young plants that are classified as weeds, I guess, things you didn't plant there, things that are not in the right place, is because in the southeast we have two seasons of weeds. We have two seasons for weeds to grow. We have our spring and summer weeds and then the fall and winter weeds. So we have warm season weeds and cool season weeds. This is pretty common all over the place, but of course down here in the southeast where our winters are quite mild, we have plants that will germinate, uh, rather, weeds that will germinate from a seed. They will grow leaves, they'll get up to size so they can bloom. And then by the end of this cool season, they'll be scattering their seeds on the ground. So the weeds that you're seeing popping up, those most likely came from plants that were growing last winter and you know, maybe you overlook them, they slip by you, and they produced a flower, and then subsequent to follow are the weed seeds. They scattered those seeds, and those seeds have been waiting right around the ground level. Maybe even if you mulch, they're underneath the mulch. Um, and so those weed seeds are now at a time where the weather is perfect for them to germinate and start growing, because many of these weeds do not grow over summer. Some of the weeds I'm seeing, of course, are chickweed. There's a big leaf chickweed and a small leaf chickweed. They come in variety of styles. <laughs> and then there's the henbit and the dead nettles, which look very similar They're in the mint family. They have a square stem, if you're out looking at them. They sort of have a ruffly edge on their leaf. And they do have, I think it's a nice little pink blossom, kind of like a lavender bloom. Uh, of course, you won't see the blooms for a few months, but... Just know that if those blooms are allowed to drop their seed, they'll be right back in your garden beds next winter. And then, of course, there's things like hairy bittercress, curly dock. All of these plants are plants that you don't have a problem with. You don't really think about them being a problem in your landscape and as far as weeds are concerned over the summer because they don't like it hot. They don't like the um, the summer temperatures. So they don't seem to be a problem. But their weed seed are hanging out in your planting beds all along. A good little story that I like to tell is working with a client, of course, through Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. Um, We sold plants to a lady for a project, and she had a landscaper. And they did the job at the best time to plant, which was over fall and winter. Well, of course, the landscaper did a good job. I did see some pictures of the results. Um, Popped the plants in, mulched. It was weed-free at the time, of course. Uh, But then, after spring started, after spring started, the customer came to me and was just complaining. This landscaper didn't do a good job. They did a terrible job. There's weeds everywhere. I want all these weeds gone. And I want all my weeds gone, too. But... I said, well, look, I'm not defending your landscaper, but I will just tell you that when they planted, they eradicated the weeds that they could see. They eradicated those winter weeds. But then, now that the spring has come and the seasons have changed, you've got a whole other set of weeds that you're dealing with. And, of course, they haven't. this landscaper hasn't been to your property in months. I said, we have two seasons of weeds here in the southeast. We have the warm season and the cool season weeds. So they did a good job of eradicating what was present at the time. But there's always weed seed hanging out in your soil. I think she understood and comprehended. She wasn't as mad then. But that is cultivation, right, gang? That is cultivation. We have to work with the seasons. We have to understand the changes that are going to be coming in the seasons. And that includes, of course, the weed problem. So as long as we know our weeds that we have in our landscape and a lot of these weeds, even though you may be pulling them out of your beds, if your grassy areas, your turf grass or maybe even sort of the edges of the property that don't get tended to as much as the, the high traffic and the profile areas, those are areas where weeds weeds can prolificate. They can scatter seed. Some of the seed is blown in on the wind, maybe from your neighbor's property, maybe from the woods or the unmaintained areas Uh, In your neighborhood, of course, there are a lot of areas where weeds can come from. And for certain weeds, um, plants that have something attractive to birds. Birds will come and eat berries. Uh, Privet is one of the things. Privet, of course, is an attractive berry. uh, Or rather, the privet plant produces an attractive berry that birds can use for nutrition. They will fly around all over the place. They'll come and sit on your fence post. They'll come and sit on your railing. They'll come and sit on a chair. They will do their business, as my grandmother used to say with her dogs go outside and do your business. The dog, uh, not the dog, but the birds do their business on your property and they drop seeds from their excrement. So there are a lot of ways that weeds can make it into your landscape and being vigilant about pulling them, eradicating them before they set more seed. Is going to be critical. If you see a group of weeds blooming, now some weeds you can't even tell they have a flower, but if they have a flower, they will have a seed at some point, most likely, and that seed, if it's left to its own device, will just stay there quietly on the soil until the weather and the climatic conditions change. And of course, they find it appropriate to germinate and grow and start that cycle all over again. So I hated it for that client that she had weeds, but I hate it for me because I have weeds as well. And it's just a battle that we have to keep going with. So don't hold your landscapers to, uh, m- you know, missing weeds season by season. If they're doing a good job of eradicating what is green and there, then that's a start. But of course, when the weather warms up or when the weather cools down... There will be a whole other group of seeds, uh, a crop of weed seeds and weed plants to pull out. With that in mind, of course, when we talk about weeds, the buildup of weed seed in the soil is known as the weed seed bank, the weed seed bank. When we talk about controlling weeds, this is a critical thing to keep in mind because just like your banking account, if you have a lot of dollars in it, you have a huge amount of cash. Um, In the weed seed bank, if you have a lot of seed in it, you have a huge amount of weed seed. If there's a lot of weed seed in your soil, it will always be a battle. So the idea is to reduce, to make withdrawals from the weed seed bank and don't allow many deposits. It is completely opposite than your banking business because you probably want to have more dollars in than you're taking out. More deposits, less withdrawals. But with the weed seed bank, we want to have as many withdrawals as possible and as few deposits of weed seeds as possible. So you will be able to judge your weed seed bank from season to season. If you have a low number of weed plants popping up, then you probably have a low Count on your weed seed bank. But if you have numerous and many plants and varieties of plants, many varieties of plants popping up in your weed or in your garden spaces, then you have probably a high number in your weed seed bank. And we want to try to reduce those. So as I was working out of my landscape over the past couple of weeks, planting these bulbs, pulling weeds, doing all these things in tandem, I have a terrible problem with um, the wild garlic, wild onion, if you will. I have a terrible problem with that. Of course, they do spread by seed, but they are a plant that is very perennial that spreads by underground bulbs, just like your onion plants would in your vegetable garden. So many of these plants aren't just growing from seed every year. They're also coming back from an underground structure, some kind of root system, whether it's a bulb, or whether it's a cluster of roots with a crown. So you've got to be able to also judge... This time of year and in the spring, which plants are annual weeds and which weeds are perennial weeds? So, of course, annual weeds are plants that germinate from a seed, they produce a a leaf and, and stem, then they produce flowers and set more seed before the entire plant dies when the weather changes. An example of that this time of year is the henbit. Now henbit and chickweed, they are annual weeds. Now these are a little more easy to control because the only thing you're battling are new plants coming back every year. But when you talk about perennial plants, these are plants that not just produce seed in that season and then wither away, but their roots stay alive. Or those bulbs underground, like the wild onions, they stay alive through the summer. And then they will regrow from that underground root system. See, that makes it a bit more complex to deal with those plants. The perennial weed plants tend to be more robust. They tend to... um, uh, multiply very quickly not just from seeds but from underground roots whether they have runners or some kind of um, bulb now when you're digging those out see I try to do a bit of that digging of the wild garlic in my beds but I know that I'm not digging out all those little tiny baby bulbs so those are probably still under the ground and then next year I'll see those new plants popping up So it's more than just controlling the weed seed bank. But if you have a number of perennial plants that are weeds, you have to attack those individual plants and rip them out or eradicate them some way. So with all that discussion in mind... On today's program, I do want to talk about weed control, but particularly organic weed controls. What are some things that we can do that we don't have to go out and purchase a lot of chemical uh, products for? Some of these things are going to take just a lot of effort, a lot of time, and some of them are some bottled products that are organic that you can use, and I will give you a few recipes a few recipes for some homebrew weed killers. So I want to get back from this break, all uh, more about controlling weeds over this winter season. Hang on tight. The darker. So, gang, during the break, I was looking back at some history here. You know, this is the last month of the year. And it just seems like yesterday that we were bringing in the first month of the year. So I look back at some of our history here, see what we were talking about. And the first show of this year, we talked about alliums. That was the all about alliums and the bulbs. And uh, I was telling you I was planting alliums then. I'm planting alliums now. I just love the alliums. And we also talked about talking to your plants and the music they make. And we talked about purchasing, storing, and planting bare root roses. And our Q&A week for the first month of this year was about bog plants and rain gardens. We have really had a great year here on New Southern Garden. I hope you have. And I hope you've had a great year in your landscape and in your garden. And of course, if you want some more inspiration and ideas, uh, you can always find those shows and all the others at NewSouthernGarden.com. But before the break, we were talking about organic weed controls, getting into that discussion because I was mentioning how in the southeast we have weeds for summer and spring and summer, the warm season, and we have weeds that pop up in the cool season over fall and winter. So I know it's kind of odd to be talking about weed control now, but weeds over winter can be just as... New, new just as new, nu- just as a nuisance <laughs> what am i saying weeds in the winter can be just as a nuisance as weeds over the summer now weeds in the summer tend to get quite robust and big you know a lot of the weeds we have over winter are not huge plants a lot of them creep and crawl along the ground like the hen bits, the chickweeds the carolina um, geraniums but with all that being said we still need to think about controlling the weeds over winter we start a control this year, then the pressure of the weeds for next winter won't be nearly as bad. The key here is to eliminate plants from setting seed and scattering them on the ground because it's those seeds that are scattered now that are going to, or rather this season, that are going to be a problem for the next winter season and the next winter crop of weeds. So let's get on it and let's do it. Now, of course, we're going to talk about some organic weed controls because, of course, you can go into the box stores and the garden centers and find a variety of more non-organic chemical-based products. And those products are effective at killing weeds. You may find that some of the things we talk about today are not as effective as the chemicals. But, of course, we should try to use as little chemicals as possible. We don't want to do that. It's expense. And, of course, there's the safety concerns in in many cases. Um, So when it comes to organic weed controls, we have to remember the same thing goes with any other season of weed, whether it's winter weed or summer weeds. There's going to be a period where the weeds are just seeds. And there's going to be a period when the weed seed become plants and you'll see the plant. You rarely are going to see the weed seed unless you're looking close and maybe getting out your um, looking glass and your microscope to find the weeds. But there are ways of preventing those seeds from becoming plants. And then there are ways of eliminating or at least trying to reduce and uh, disrupt plants that are already growing or seeds that have already germinated and starting growing. So when we're trying to control weed seed be uh, from becoming a plant, that is known as pre-emergence, trying to uh, eliminate the weed before it becomes a plant. And then, of course, once they have emerged, if you will, once they've germinated, that's a, a, what we call post-emergence, after the seed has germinated. So we're going to talk about two different ways with several different ways of preventing weed seed from becoming a plant and then, of course, eliminating a weed plant after it started growing. Of course, trying to prevent weeds is quite proactive. Trying to do that pre-emergence, trying to do something to prevent them from growing is very effective if of course the control you use or the method you use eliminates that weed from becoming or rather that seed from becoming a plant that's the most effective way to go and in the organic world there are a few ways to do that first of all probably the best way to prevent seeds from becoming weeds is by mulching now we've talked about mulching at least once a month since we started this show and mulching has a variety of benefits of course mulching is going to moderate the temperature of the soil which is critical it keeps the soil cooler in the summer but it helps to keep the mulch helps to keep the soil warmer over winter which makes for a happy plant root system if you will and then of course it helps to moderate the moisture in the soil it will help trap moisture when it needs it and of course it can um help prevent evaporation from, from happening where water is just pulled out of the soil. Exposed soil is never a good soil. And then, of course, it helps to add organic matter. But one of the main benefits of mulching is to prevent weeds from growing. So a nice thick blanket in your planting bed, uh, flower border, you're underneath your shrubs, underneath your trees even. Nice thick blanket of mulch is critical for plants to grow. But, of course... It helps to smother the weed seed by not allowing light to penetrate the soil. If weed seed can sense light, then they tend to germinate. But if it's dark and shaded underneath that mulch layer, then you'll have less weeds pushing through. It won't prevent all of them, but it will help to prevent some. And it will help to shade the soil from the light of the sun, which of course is a stimulus that will encourage weed seeds to germinate. Now, in the same thought about preventing weeds organically, there is a product that you can purchase. It is sold under a variety of names. I know that Bonide sells it under the name Mize, which, of course, is the name for corn. And this corn product is uh, what sometimes you may want to look it up as, as corn gluten. Now, of course, Corn is not quite like wheat and actually has gluten, but corn gluten comes from uh, decades ago. The old timers, if you will, they called this product corn gluten. And even though it's not really gluten, the idea is that corn gluten uh, will suppress the germination of weed seed. So that is why it makes a great pre-emergent. But of course, corn gluten, to be effective, has to be applied at fairly high concentrations. And so that can become detrimental, maybe in the long term, to other plants, maybe particularly in your turf grass areas. But if you are applying corn gluten as a pre-emergent, you do want to lay this on the ground or spread it on the ground before weeds start to germinate. Now, if I am working in an area that already has these winter weeds growing or in the summer, summer weeds growing, I may be pulling them out. I may be using some of these organic products to try to kill them back. But at the same time that I'm pulling out existing weeds that are growing, I will apply a pre-emergent at the same time because there are surely weed seeds waiting around, and by me pulling plants out, disturbing the soil that turns the soil over and exposes more seeds to sunlight, it is critical then to use a pre-emergent to slow down the regrowth of some of those weeds plants, if you will. So using pre-emergence throughout the growing season is not a problem, but just know that pre emergents are not very good at eliminating existing weeds. Now mulching... If you do it thick enough and heavy enough in an area, of course, that may smother some young plants that are already growing. And it could be considered a post-emergent, trying to eliminate plants or weeds that are already growing. But of course, the bigger and the stronger these plants are, even mulching them, they'll find a way to grow through the mulch. So those are probably two of the best pre emergents in the organic world. Uh, Of course, I would consider Pulling weeds to be a bit of pre-emergent too, because if we are pulling our weeds or hoeing our weeds, then of course that is eliminating them from the system, the system at large, if you will. And if those plants are pulled before they set their seed and scatter it on your planting beds, that essentially is a form of preventing weeds. Just like Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure when it comes to dealing with weeds. Trying to prevent them is perhaps a bit easier, but it's quite effective if we can remove the plants or prevent them from growing in the first place. That's where we got to start. Well, when we get back from the break, gang, we're going to talk about what to do once the weed seed have germinated and how can you eliminate those weeds organically. Hang on tight. So gang, before the last break, we were talking about preventing weeds in your landscape. And of course, this action of preventing weeds we call um, pre-emergence. Pre-emergence, trying to use maybe uh, corn gluten, which is an organic product, and mulching as a way to prevent weeds from emerging or germinating. And of course, preventing weeds is the first step, maybe the most critical step in controlling weeds, trying to prevent more weeds developing. Of course, once they emerge, we have another set of problems. We have a plant that has roots and stems and leaves and flowers. And what do those flowers do? They turn into seed pods, which open up and scatter more weed seed around your landscape. So now that we've talked a bit about trying to prevent the weeds, And of course, trying to reduce your weed seed bank, making withdrawals from the number of seeds that are weeds in your soil, we want to talk about how can we deal with weeds that are present, that are growing, that have germinated, that maybe are flowering. Well, doing weed control organically takes persistence. It takes persistence because of course, you can purchase chemical-based weed controls and what do they do? Well, they eliminate plants pretty well, pretty effectively. But of course, there are the concerns from health perspectives. And of course, as long as you follow the labels, your government says it's okay to use. So, I don't know. You trust your government, I guess. But with that being said, um, when it comes to eradicating weeds organically, the first step we have to talk about is mechanical elimination eliminating your weeds mechanically which means getting down on your knees and pulling weeds digging out the root systems of course it could mean hoeing you don't have to get on your knees for that you can hoe the weeds out and damage those root structures damage those plants so that they cannot survive and they will dry out if you are weeding mechanically on a sunny day you will have better success than weeding on a day that is cloudy and rainy and moist. Because, of course, if you are pulling those weeds out, allowing them to dry out on the surface of the soil in the sun, that's effective. But if you're pulling those weeds out and drying them out on the surface of the soil and you have a nice rainy couple of days or a weekend well that may give the plants enough effort (laughs) to stay full of moisture and regrow into the ground of course it would be best to collect your weeds as you're pulling them maybe compost them throw them in a pile where they can rot but if you just pull out weeds, i like to just pull my weeds out and lay them on top of the mulch I know that sounds crazy, um, but of course, if the plants are young enough that they don't have flowers or seed pods, then the plant is surely to dry out on top of the mulch on those sunny days. And as it decomposes, it just goes back into the soil. That rich carbon and all the nutrition that the weeds have pulled out of your soil is recycled back in. But of course, placing them into a heap uh, is going to help them decay and rot. Um, And of course, they can be incorporated into your compost. But if you are pulling out plants, weed plants, that do have a number of seed pods, I probably wouldn't then put them in my compost because those seeds could still be viable. Now, if those seeds are in a compost pile and it heats up very, very warm, if it's a very warm, active compost, it may destroy the weed seed. But I don't like to take chances with those. I tend to place them in the woods or somewhere out of the reach maybe of my growing spaces. So with that being said, of course, it's always the first thing to do with organic weed control is mechanical removal of them, digging, pulling weeds, hoeing weeds, getting them out mechanically. Now, another helpful tool for organic weed control, and this is approved to be useful in organic production. Of course, the United States Department of Agriculture oversees the NOP, the National Organic Program, and they set the guidelines and the growing standards for organic agriculture and organic horticulture, growing things organically. And they do encourage and recommend the use of a flame torch or a flame weeder. Now, I think I've talked about this on the program before, but I do like my flame torch. Now, the flame torch is a long-handled fire blazer (laughs) of course on one end is the fire and on the other end is usually um a small tank of propane gas some kind of containerized gas for fuel now you do have to be careful with these you have a large open flame but actually with a flame torch keeping it if you're familiar or have one keeping the flame tighter rather than uh quite large is more effective it just stays hotter now with that being said the idea of a flame torch is that on the end of the hot end of your flame torch as fire is blowing out of it i know this sounds kind of like terminator ish or horror movie style maybe but it it, it it is a useful tool you take the flame end and you just swiftly roll that fire back and forth over the top of your weeds weed leaves now this is very effective for annual weeds and particularly young weeds, plants that may be small. Um, right now, most of my hen bits and chickweeds and hairy bittercresses that are growing are small. They're not even blooming yet. They just have maybe a couple of stems and a few leaves. And so as a young age, this flame torch is very beneficial. And it's particularly beneficial on plants that are annual weeds. Because again, annual weeds um, are the ones that are going to die at the end of the season. And their root system is going to die as well. But when you get to perennial weeds, the flame torch is really only useful to kill the foliage. It's a top kill, That's a term we use when we're just killing the foliage. We know that if it's a fescue weed or if it's the curly dock, which has a very strong root system and a deep taproot, that taproot and that root system can surely regrow even once you've damaged the leaves. So for a flame torch to be effective on perennial weeds, say like my terrible wild garlics, For it to be effective, I would have to do it regularly. Anytime that I see new leaves regrowing after they've been flame torched, maybe 7 to 10, 14 days after flame torching them, there will be new leaves coming up from that root system. And I need to be sure to be persistent. I'm going to use this word a lot when we talk about organic weed control. Being persistent with the flame torch is critical. One pass of a flame torch over annual weeds is quite effective, but it will take Uh, multiple passes maybe all season long to damage the perennial weeds enough so be careful with flame torch of course it is fire and fire can can be destructive in a garden particularly around mulch like pine straw uh, maybe even wood chips to some degree you are not using a flame torch To burn the plant. You're not using a flame torch to turn it crispy. You are only quickly passing that flame over the leaves to wilt them. And that is quite easy to do. It doesn't take uh, very long to just fan this flame over the foliage and wilt those leaves back. As a matter of fact, I only keep the flame torch on a plant until I can tell that it's not a bright green anymore. It is a dull green. And when you come back the next day or day definitely two, you will see that that weed has wilted, it has been cooked, and it was just a simple passing over of a flame. We don't want to use it to start a fire, that's for sure. So, with that being said, mechanical weed pulling, uh, pulling plants, and using a flame torch can be effective, particularly on those young, annual, or any young plant, uh, weed plant. Now, what about some other products that you can use? There are some that are easy to find on the market. You will find these products. Uh, We carry some of them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. And of course, you may find them at box stores. But always look at your local garden center first. Just great to help your local community. But there are a couple of Bonide products that I have used and I do like. Um, Number one is going to be Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Weed Brew. Now, Dead Weed Brew contains two active ingredients, the caprylic acid and capric acid. Now, I know that these sound like chemicals, and of course, even water is a chemical, uh, but these plants are found naturally in coconuts and milk from mammals. Certain mammals uh, also produce capric acid and caprylic acid. So, of course, these are organically derived compounds that would have to be extracted from these products. I do not know for sure if they are creating them synthetically, uh, but the capric acid and the caprylic acid both do a good job at killing at least the top of the plant back now of course that is something that um, would not be very effective on perennial weeds because they have that strong root system we keep talking about so you can at least kill the tops but when perennial weeds try to grow back just like with the flame torch you've got to come back and do it again and this is what you'll find with most organic products that if they're Um, If it turns out to just be a top kill where it kills the top of the plant but not the root, we have to be what? We have to be persistent with it. We have to be persistent with it. Anytime we're growing organically, growing naturally, we have to remember that working with nature is a slow process. And, of course, with these, uh, yes, organic or naturally derived compounds, they still are going to work more slowly. And we have to keep that idea of being persistent at the forefront at all times now something else that you may find of course is agricultural vinegar of course I use that term not just telling you vinegar because not all vinegars are the same You could very well go to the grocery store and purchase a gallon of vinegar. White vinegar is just fine. But what you'll find is the concentration of that vinegar is much lower than a concentration of agricultural vinegar. So very low concentrations of vinegar may do some damage to the leaves and foliage, the top part of the plant. But it may just leave the root alone. Even some of the higher concentrated vinegars in the agricultural vinegar world, they could be as high as 4 to 45 to 47%, and I've seen them lately as high as 75% vinegar. Those vinegars in the grocery store usually are only around 5% vinegar. So that's very low considering how high some of the agricultural vinegars can be. We used the agricultural vinegar in organic production at the University of Georgia when I was studying there in plant school. We had the organic horticulture farm and we used vinegar quite a lot. Now, of course, vinegar is a naturally occurring uh, process and it is quite effective and it is most effective at killing those young seedlings or very young plants it will do damage to big plants uh, but it will usually only damage the tops it will only damage the leaves and the stems maybe but it won't damage the roots persistence with vinegar is important too you're not just applying it once but you're maybe applying it several times until those weeds are eliminated um however keep in mind that the vinegar itself, especially at the higher concentrations, can do damage to your good plants. Any of these products we talk about or these naturally occurring compounds, they very well could do damage to turf grass or to your gardenias and your hydrangeas and whatnot. So be careful when you are using them around desirable plants to only spot spray the weeds. We would never take vinegar and just broadcast it over an entire bed which has weeds but includes desirable plants because damage can be and probably will be done in many of those cases. So use even these organic weed controls as a spot spray trying to only get the vinegar or the caprylic, capric acid, Captain Jack's deadweed brew making sure to only get those products on the weeds themselves now there are a few things that you might be able to find like clove oil clove oil has been used of course a higher concentrated clove oil would be quite effective rather than a lesser concentrated clove oil but regardless um There will be a higher cost to some of these, perhaps. Um, Clove oil wouldn't be very cheap. Uh, Citric acid, any product that has citric acid in it can be quite effective at an organic or natural weed control. So be sure to always look at the active ingredients on those labels. But gang, when we get back from this break, I'm going to talk about some home remedies and DIYs. DIYs, how's it go? DIYs that you can do yourself. Hang on tight. Well, gang, welcome back to New Southern Garden. Of course, we are down to the last segment of the day, and I hope that you found this segment to be helpful because, of course, or the show to be helpful, rather, because we have been talking about controlling weeds organically. We've talked about trying to prevent weeds, which is always the best route. We need to be doing that, trying to pull the weeds out before they set their seed because that seed will be ready to grow the next season of growth. So doing that, and of course... um, Maybe mulching. Definitely want to mulch to try to suppress weeds to prevent light from hitting those weed seed that are on top of the soil. And, of course, we've talked about some other pre-emergence that's organic, the corn gluten products. Bonide sells theirs under the name May Mize, which, of course, is the word for corn. And then we've talked about some products and some... um, some things you can use to spray on your plants once those weeds have already started growing. Things like caprylic and capric acid, agricultural vinegar, and clove oil citric acid, excuse me, citric acid, which of course is from the citrus group of plants. But regardless, these things are organic, and I know that sometimes we're growing organic, uh, we still want an easy solution. But growing naturally, growing organically takes effort. It takes the work. It takes the time. It takes the, what's the word of the day? Persistence. It takes persistence in trying to control weeds and other pests that may be plaguing your garden. So with that in mind, uh, before the break, I did mention that we would talk about some home remedies. I think everybody likes home remedies. I don't know. These aren't necessarily backed up by science. But of course, most science these days, to be frank... Is geared towards large chemical companies, so we may not actually get a lot of good science from some of these things. But these are things that gardeners have shared with me, or that I've read about and seen um, reports on, and how well they may work. And some of these uh, are going to be mixtures of things we've already talked about. One of the first thing, a, a home weed killer, includes three simple ingredients, including water. Um, well, actually, this one just calls for vinegar. We start with a gallon of vinegar. We add a cup of salt to that, just table salt, and a tablespoon of dish soap. Now I'm gonna tell you what these three products are intended to do. Uh, These three things in here are going to, first of all, the vinegar is going to disrupt the cells in the plant. Now, of course, this is a product that you'd be, or a mixture, a home brew, if you will, that you're spraying on top of leaves and stems. That vinegar is going to disrupt the cells. That's what it actually does to the plant: explodes them, pops them open, if you will. And then, of course, the salt is used as a desiccant; it dries them out. Uh, it will dry out and desiccate those cells, the tissues of the plant. And then, of course, the soap is in this home brew simply as a surfactant. Now, we haven't talked about surfactants on the program today, but we've talked about them in the past. The idea of a surfactant is a middleman to help the product that is doing the work stick or adhere to the surface of the leaves and the stems. So a surfactant, usually soaps are used in this way. Uh, most surfactants are a kind of soap, at least. There are some agriculture surfactants that you can use, um, but Dawn dish soap would be quite effective and cheap enough to use to kill weeds with. So the only thing the soap is there to do, it's not really going to do much. If, it, if the soap covers uh, some of the aphids or white flies that may be in your garden, it'll kill them too. But the surfactant really just helps the salt and the vinegar to stick onto the plant and hang out on the plant. Now, of course, the vinegar, the higher the concentration, maybe the more effective you will find it. But this homebrew has really been uh, useful as opposed to using chemical products to destroy those young weed plants that are just beginning to grow. They're not even maybe to flowering stage. You'll find that most of your winter weeds in your landscape, at least the ones I was pulling out, uh, they aren't even quite flowering yet. They're just a small group or cluster of stems and leaves. And a product like this would be quite effective. Now, there's another thing that you can find in the grocery store that can do some damage to plants, (laughs) and that is borax. Now, plants can use the boron that is found in borax. This is uh, usually sodium borate, which is just the uh, chemical name for borax, but the borate in there does carry boron that some plants need. I do know, this is kind of a strange fact of the day, but clover, if you're trying to establish a clover lawn, The germinating seed of clover needs some boron in order to germinate well, but used at a higher concentration and spread onto the leaves of plants, I've read where this particular borax brew, if you will, helps to control creeping charlie, which I have plenty of, actually, in my landscape, surprisingly. But uh, the borax being sprayed onto plants' foliage can be destructive. Now, we do take the borax and, say, about 10 ounces of borax. Mix that with 4 ounces of warm water to make a slurry. A slurry is just a thick kind of slushy uh, mixture, if you will. And then you'll take that slurry and dilute it into two and a half gallons of water which would be efficient or would be great to use in a a backpack sprayer or something and you will mix so you're diluting the borax slurry into water and then you can spot spray that borax onto your plants the weeds foliage now using borax Uh, heavily or maybe over the course of time, as with all these products, particularly the ones with the salt and maybe even corn gluten, using these products regularly over the period of two to three years may actually start to hinder your good plant's growth. So we probably would want to use these things sparingly, but of course we have to be persistent so we may alternate them. Uh, Of course, if you were to take salt and pour it on the ground or say onto your lawn it would destroy the patch of lawn that you poured it onto i do remember i had a professor who told me that uh, when he was a kid growing up his dad told him to take out the ice cream maker and pour out the water in the ice cream maker which of course had salt to keep the ice as cold as possible well he told him he his dad said don't take that and pour it out on the lawn take it all the way to the woods and pour it way out there and he thought, ah, it's just water, it's not going to hurt anything, so he poured it on the lawn. Well, a few days later, as that patch of lawn that was saturated with salt, uh, as it died, his dad said, you didn't take that to the woods, did you? He said, yeah, I did. He said, well, come over here. Is this where you poured it? Right on this dead patch of grass? He said, yeah, that's where I poured it. Salt is destructive, and especially in high concentrations. And of course, we don't want to add extra salt to our soil. So only spray these products where they're needed. Spray them on the weeds directly, trying to not get... This, these products onto the foliage of your good plants. I'll reiterate that before we leave today is that even though these are organic and quite safe products, um, in high concentrations and of course being applied to any plant can cause damage. So only use these products onto the areas that you're needed. Uh, One last Quick and easy solution. I did read this. I haven't used this myself, but this would be a moss control. Simply using four ounces of dish soap, maybe the Ultra Dawn dish soap, something quite powerful, with one gallon of water, spraying that onto moss. You're trying to create an area that they don't like to grow. And of course, moss are plant-like, but they don't have extensive root systems, so sometimes it is easier to maybe eradicate them. So with that being said, gang, I hope that today's conversation gears your mind to get out there and start controlling your weeds, because remember, any weed left to grow today is going to be a problem tomorrow, particularly in the wintertime. Then we'll probably talk about weed control again when summer gets here. So, gang, get out there and give it a go. For WRWH and New Southern Garden, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. Have a great weekend.